This is episode 252. Why do I feel like I'm not making any progress with Anna? Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Always happy to have you here. Have another great coaching episode for you today. And if you're newer to the show, I encourage you to go on a binge. <laughs> There's been 252 coaching episodes. They're unscripted, unedited, unproduced. I never have any idea who I'm getting on the call with. And you hear a very raw, authentic coaching session. And so just scroll through, see what titles jump out to you. But as many people have told me and say in the reviews, sometimes they think an episode won't be about them or they won't get anything from it, or they don't really relate to the person, but they always get something. This is an incredible time in our world to dive into personal development work. Things are uncertain. A lot is being triggered. And from my point of view, the only way to navigate without having extreme anxiety, fear, panic, wanting to go into numbing devices like eating, drinking, overworking, whatever it may be, you know, the only way to deal with the, the loneliness, the uncertainty, the anger, the trauma that's coming up is to do the deep inner work. And often, most likely that involves inner child work. And you'll hear in my session with Anna today and you'll see that it was a, a bit of one of those sessions where I judge myself as, I don't know if I really helped her, <laughs> but I think that was part of the learning for Anna is that the help she really needs is going to come from within. And yes, it's always, always useful to reach externally for support. However, we have to be our own internal support as well. You know, the reason why any of the personal development I've done has worked is because I've also been my own best coach. I've also really worked on loving myself. And you'll hear in this coaching session with Anna that so much of her come from in terms of how she is approaching personal development is from there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. Things aren't the way I want them to be. I should be further in my life. And so her come from is from that something's wrong with me, judgmental place. And in all my experience, both as a, as a client and a student and as a coach and facilitator, when our come from is I'm broken, I hope this fixes me, something's wrong with me, it just really, really slows down our own healing because the energy that our personal development is riding on and our healing is riding on is judgment rather than love. So the essence of this call was to help Anna really see that coming back to love and not judging herself was the path she needed to take. And so much of her healing, I believe, is going to come from her work with her inner child. And that's true for, for all of us, like I said. And so that's why Steph and I have decided to host another virtual inner child workshop. It's going to be the last weekend in August, a Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday. 
You can go to christinehaster.com slash inner child. And this is deep work that we take you through. And it's work that you do. We hold the space and give you the instructions to do the internal work. So if you want to do the inner work and you want to do the inner child work, but you want some guidance, you want a container, you want a safe space to do that with, with instruction that really makes sense to you, then join us for this workshop. We decided to do it again because we had such positive, amazing results from the first one. Again, it's christinehaster.com slash inner child. Don't let money be a block. We do have scholarships, payment plans. We will work with you. We're so passionate about your healing. So go to christinehaster.com slash inner child. If you have questions or you have concerns about making it financially, and it's very, very reasonably priced for what you receive. But if you have any questions at all, just email jill at christinehaster.com. So as you are listening to this call with Anna, consider, do you feel like you're backtracking? You're not making progress in terms of your own personal development. Like you keep working on the same issue over and over and over again and isn't changing. Do you experience great frustration with yourself and with your life, work or relationships where you live? Something just isn't where you want it to be. And it seems like no matter what you do, it's not shifting. Growing up, did you feel like your needs were really met? Did you feel like your parents were really there and really understood you and saw you and knew how to meet your needs? And finally, when it comes to yourself and your own path, do you approach it with love, compassion, and acceptance or judgment and frustration? Keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Anna. Anna, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hi, Christine. So I've done a lot of different personal development stuff over the years. And I can see how some stuff internally has shifted, like how I think about things or respond to things. But a lot of my external life hasn't changed at all for the better. Mm -hmm. And so I know that, you know, there's that saying like, no man steps in the same river twice. But it does feel like when I look and see that things haven't changed or, you know, I can't really see them changing, it can get really depressing. Yeah. And I also like when I do stop and think like, oh, it's been like 10 years since this or whatever, it does kind of feel like time's just going by and I'm standing still. Mm. Can you give me an example of something that you've been working on for a while that hasn't changed? I mean, I guess like the big things for me are like work, where I live, and then just like community and relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, the newest thing that I've been adding to things to think about are, I guess, as I've become more aware of how, you know, things in my past shape my present and also like how, you know, things further back in the past impacted like past decisions I made that I wouldn't make now. Um, I'm starting to like realize like that other people can pick this up too. So I sometimes feel a little like, you know, if I tell people about, you know, my family or, you know, things I've done in the past, like they're getting too much insight into me and like maybe giving off red flags, especially when it ties back into like, you know, the fact that I don't have a job. I like don't like where I live, Mm -hmm. like all those things, like, you know, maybe it's like red flags that like, Oh, she says she's doing all this like work, but it's not working. Or I feel like, if I had more positive progress, then it would be like, 
not as big of a deal, but I do kind of feel like maybe I come across as kind of like a lost cause or something. So you feel like you're being judged and perceived as a lost cause. Yeah. I mean, I think when people initially meet me, they don't think that, but like then when I, you know, you know, if I like go on a date or something and someone, you know, asks about my family or like why I did certain things, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like revealing too much. You know what I mean? They can, yeah, I guess like put me in a box or judge me or whatever. And why does that bother you? I don't know. I mean, that part is like a very recent thing. I don't know. Maybe if it's just like a new thing to be insecure about the way you're perceived. The bigger part is the seeing how my external life hasn't changed. And now I'm like, Oh, I wonder if people are judging me about that too. Okay. Okay. No one's judging you as much as you're judging you. I can promise you that. (laughs) And how old are you now? 37. 37. Okay. And you, you don't have to go into too much detail, but you know, so you say you're unhappy in your work, where you live and community and relationships. And you've worked a lot on that and it's not changing. So I'm curious, what has the work been that you've done? And what do you think are the issues from your past and your childhood that are perpetuating these issues and these obstacles? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I've gone to various kinds of therapy. I've worked with a couple coaches. I think one was like the most useful. Some of them weren't, you know, didn't have much depth to them. And then I've done a lot of like reading books or podcasts. And then I've worked with like more practical people. Like I had a, an actual like career program that I went through. Mm-hmm. And when you've been working on these things, what have the things, what, what have you been working on? Like what, what happened to you in your life? That's been hard, Anna. I guess when you're asking like, what's like the core issue? I mean, I'm not totally sure. I had parents that were kind of like emotionally uninvolved and I had to, you know, figure a lot of things out on my own. Mm-hmm. And I guess when I was younger, it worked out really well. It's definitely like an overachiever. Um, and then at some point I just like stopped accomplishing things and definitely people have surpassed. I mean, not that I'm comparing myself to other people, but you know, I haven't really been moving forward. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you're depressed? I mean, not like right now, but I can get that way, especially when I like, don't feel like things have changed or will change. Mm -hmm. So when you're not accomplishing something, basically. Yeah. Or I guess when you don't see like hope. Mm -hmm. And if you could see hope right now, what would it look like? What would you want to see? What would, what would you need in your life right now to either know or to have happen to have hope? Yeah, I guess just having something to kind of work on or work towards that feels like it will make a difference. But you've done that and it hasn't worked. <laughs> True, yeah. You've done the therapy, you've done the books, you've done career coaching, you've done, now you're talking to me hoping I might be able to give you an answer. So what's the common theme in all of those things? I mean, I guess me, and and I guess that's what's like tricky. Well, yes, but the common theme is you're looking for someone or at something outside of you to give you an answer. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing is it's re-injuring your core wound. 
So what you said is you have parents that were not emotionally involved, which to me means that you did not get your needs met. If your parents, and you're probably downplaying it because most people do downplay what's happened, especially if we end up becoming very self-critical and self-judgmental, which it sounds like you are. Sometimes we downplay a little bit how much our needs weren't met. And even if our parents loved us and tried their best, they might not have met the needs that we needed in the way we needed them, right? They might have met our needs the way they wanted their own needs met, not the unique way we needed our needs met. Definitely. Yeah. So here you are, a little girl who, as any child, has needs. All children have needs. All humans have needs. Children especially have needs. And you kept going to your parents and going to your parents and getting rejected and abandoned and neglected over and over and over and over and over again. So what do you think that made you believe about your own needs? That they didn't matter. Yeah. What else? I don't know. I guess that they couldn't be met. Right. That they didn't matter and that they must have been so deep or confusing or awful that they couldn't be met. And you're playing that out in your personal development. You keep going from resource to person to program to whatever, hoping that your need will be met. And you keep getting disappointed, just like you did in childhood. And then you blame it on yourself. Then you blame it on yourself and go, oh, it's me again. Something must be wrong with me because this isn't working. Just like as a kid, you believe, well, something must be wrong with me because they can't meet my needs. So instead of like pointing at the parents and being and knowing, because we don't have this ability, we don't have the cognitive ability as children to go, they're unable to meet my needs because of their wounding, because of their incapabilities, because of their wounding, not because something's wrong with me. We personalize everything as a kid. Mm-hmm. So you've got this pattern running of one, my needs don't matter, but shit, I still have them. So I'm going to go and try and meet them. But you know what? No one really gets me anyway, and no one's going to be able to meet my needs. So I'm constantly going to be disappointed. Can you see how this is playing out? Uh, yeah. And what's the question under that? I mean, I guess the question is how do you fix it or stop that? Well, it doesn't really matter what I tell you because there's a belief under there that perpetuates the, like it gives you a filter. And what I mean by that, Anna, is that it's like, I could tell you, and I'm going to, I'm going to offer you some things, but I've just, it's really important that this point lands because I want to get to compassion for little Anna. And so Mm -hmm. it's, and I also want to help you break the pattern of going from person to program to therapist to whatever and being disappointed and feeling like you're failing at your own personal development because you're not, Mm -hmm. you're not at all. You're not at all. You're just continuing to play out the pattern with the personal development world. It's like you projected your wounds with parents onto the personal development world and we can't, we're, we're failing at meeting your needs. Can you see that? Yeah. And I mean, I guess that is, like one thing that I am 
you know, with the inner child stuff of like, okay, well, you have to, you're the parent now, so you get to parent your inner child. And that's why I'm like, well, I'm not doing a very good job at that, you know? Right. Why do you think you're not doing a very good job with that? Um, I'm not sure why, but I mean, I can definitely, you know, like, ideally I would want to, you know, have myself in different circumstances. Okay. Have you ever had an animal or anything you've had to take care of? Uh, yeah. What have you had? Um, I guess like pets and children. Okay. You have children? Um, I used to raise a family member. You used to raise a family member. How old were you when you were yeah. raising that family member? Um, early 20s. Early 20s. So you were just a kid yourself. And how old was the kid? She was 20 years or 21 years younger than me. So I had her, I guess I was in my mid, mid late 20s. And why were you raising her? Um, my sister was a single mom and not really able to, um, like, take care of herself and her child. Okay. And, and what happened to, how long did you raise that girl? Um, on and off for a couple years. Until? Um, until she was like in like second or third grade. And then what happened? My sister got a different job where she didn't have to travel as much. So she kind of was able to stay at home and take over. And was that a relief to you or was it grief? I guess it was some grief because it like it gave me something to do, you know, with like the purpose of like, I have a reason, you know, to be, you know, I guess there's some purpose to it. Um, and we were very close, but I guess it was also kind of overwhelming because she, you know, was in kind of a chaotic parent situation. So just me trying to, I mean, like, I was in a lot of like therapy and stuff to try to figure out like how to help her. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I didn't have the best parenting. So it's kind of like the fix me or not fix me, but like repattern things so I could, you know, do things better for her. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, I guess there was a sense of like, it was parenting is draining. Mm -hmm. And what did you learn about meeting her needs through that experience? How were you able to tune into what she needed and meet those needs? I mean, I guess I was just kind of guessing. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, now that it's been like 10 years and, you know, I've learned more about myself and like, you know, emotional IQ and stuff. I'm like, I don't know if actually if I did a really good job with her mm. knowing what I know now. Mm-hmm. What would you have done differently? I I don't know, really. Um, I mean, I guess that's the problem is like I can see what I did wrong, but I don't really know. What did you best. do wrong? I mean, I guess she was just like she was just so stressed from like how her mom would treat her. And, you know, she would sometimes go visit her dad. And it was just like very like maybe things she shouldn't have experienced. So I don't, um, did, I don't know. Did you ever feel helpless with her? Helpless, hopeless. You know, she's experiencing things that aren't good. So how to tell her like, 
to be present in those things. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how could you possibly teach her that? Because you experienced the same thing as a child and had to just figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I guess like, you know, it's kind of like how you send her somewhere where you know it's not a good situation and mm-hmm. like be like, okay, well, when you're there, like, sorry, that's going to happen to you. You know, like, mm-hmm. how do you, um, like, tell her how to, like, deal with herself in those situations? Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't anything you could teach her because it hadn't been something that you've learned how to do. Right. Quite yet. Quite yet. So, you know, there are no accidents. And I think part of why this young girl came into your life, um, she was your niece, yeah? Yeah. Is one, to actually start to help you see your own mothering skills. And I know you have judgment on it. And I know you believe you could have done things better or differently and you felt confused and lost and overwhelmed at times. However, you were probably the one safe space she had. Yeah. I mean, that is definitely, uh, because she's no longer with me and I don't know. I mean, yeah, people are like, you should have had her like the whole time. Um, but yeah. 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 So in a sense, by you creating that safe space for her, this is going to become a reference point for how you create that safe space within yourself. Because mm-hmm. there's a couple things that, you know, and there's lots of different directions and different things that we can unpack here. But I don't just want to give you information or talk to you about things. I do want to share a few things I'm picking up on. And you tell me if they feel true to you. The first thing I'm picking up on, Anna, is anger. There feels like there's a part of you that is just really, really mad. And unfortunately, a lot of that gets internalized in your own self-frustration. However, I don't think that's the root cause. I think that as a little girl, you were both sad and hurt that your parents didn't meet your needs, but also pretty angry about it. Mm -hmm. And then there might even be some anger that at you know, in your twenties, you had to parent your sister's child and anger at, you know, her decisions and things in her life and just your whole family dynamic Mm -hmm. of like, why can't you people just get it together and figure it out? So Mm -hmm. does that resonate with you? Can you feel that there's anger? Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, with the, like I was saying with like, the judgment from other people of like, I feel like I'm, you know, being, yeah, I'm definitely angry, especially at my family that like, I have all this, like, it doesn't sound very good when I like describe my family to people. Mm -hmm. Well, a a lot of people's don't, so you're not alone in that. But the underneath that anger is the anger of that little girl who never felt like anyone was there for her. And when we have that as a core wound, when we have that unmet need, 
it's very, very hard to create external changes in our life that excite us because there's a deep sense of self-worth that's wounded. And in order for us to have the authentically aligned things in our life, be it work, where we live, relationships, communities, we have to learn how to fulfill our most deepest internal needs first. It's sort of like, in a lot of ways, the way the universe works, it doesn't give us this deep longing, you know, external goal or desire that we have until we do the inner work. And so I know that you've been seeking a lot of wisdom and resources. And in so many ways you have been doing work, but it feels like you've been doing it more intellectually and and starting to understand the pieces of it. And there hasn't been this like deep, deep, deep self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, and also really feeling into the anger and the hurt about your parents not really being there for you, not really seeing you, not really supporting you and having to do and figure out a lot of life on your own. Does that resonate with you? Yes. But I also do feel like I spent a whole, like a big chunk of therapy with therapists that, you know, who was like, wanted me to be angry at my parents. So I do feel like, uh, I spent a fair amount of time doing that. Well, and it's not about wanting you to be angry at your parents. It's wanting you to tap into your own anger, release it and get into it. Compassion. And can you even feel yourself getting pissed off and frustrated with me? Um, maybe (laughs) it's okay. It's totally okay. I just notice the pattern because again, I'm not meeting your need. (laughs) but this is how you've set it up. So from my point of view, Anna, this is going to require a lot of self-responsibility, not self-blame, not self-criticism, not self-judgment, but a lot of self-responsibility of, you know what? I'm the only one who can meet my needs right now. See, the beautiful thing about learning how to meet your needs is that then you unconsciously and consciously can teach other people how to meet your needs. You know, like in my relationship with my husband, he's good at meeting my needs, not because he's, you know, a mind reader, but because I'm good at meeting my own needs. So I unconsciously teach him. And when he's not meeting them, I communicate how he needs to and vice versa. He does the same for me, but I could never Mm -hmm. be able to do that until I met them. And it's interesting because energetically, you know, I'm trying to go in and I'm trying to see, but my experience of you is there's this block, like there's almost a block to being helped. And that's not a criticism. That's not a judgment. It's merely an observation that kind of confirms what I'm saying in terms of, I feel like your higher self, your soul is like, nope, nobody gets to give Anna the answers here. She, her deepest healing is going to come from going inside, connecting with that little girl, feeling her feelings, becoming her own parent, becoming her own guide through this process. And it's going to be 
looking internally. It's not going to be looking outside and thinking, how do I fix the job? How do I fix the community? All these things. And probably why community and relationships are hard is because people experience the same thing I'm experiencing with you, which is a very protective wall because you've been hurt. You felt abandoned and betrayed and neglected by the people that were supposed to love you most. And so it's hard for people to get in. Okay. So what comes up for you when I say that? I mean, those are definitely things that I feel like I've spent a lot of time working on. So, I mean, I guess it's disappointing that that's still what's showing up. Well, and, you know, some things take time and maybe the way you've been working on them isn't getting to the core of things. You know, it's like I could be working and working and working on trying to fix my computer or trying to fix something in my house. But if I'm using the wrong tool, then I'm never really going to feel like I fixed it. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage you to think about the way you've been working on it and do some deep internal reflection as to, all right, how have I been working on it? What's the pattern? What's not working? And what's a new way? And from my point of view, it's you going deep inside to that little girl, connecting with her. And it's also a spiritual practice, whatever that means to you, of starting to feel a deep sense of trust and a deep sense of support and a deep sense of feeling understood and feeling loved and feeling connected. And giving yourself an outlet to get the anger and frustration. No, because it comes up a lot, especially when you talk about this stuff and it's coming up with me in this session. (laughs) Yet another person that isn't solving your problem. No, I think it's more of like, I guess this is just like more confirmation. I mean, from what my original thing was of like, so I guess my initial approach to this was like, I feel like I've changed a lot on the inside. I can see where I've changed, but it hasn't changed on the outside. And now I'm hearing, well, you haven't changed on the inside either. So I feel like I'm either further behind than I thought I was. So If you heard me say you've never changed on the inside, that's not what I said. What I'm sharing with you is that there's a deeper cut, like another route in. Because I think your route into the work, Anna, thus far has been making yourself wrong and treating yourself like a problem. And the tools that you have used haven't been rooted enough in love and compassion. You're not farther behind. There's no way to backtrack in our personal development. It's, it's, just, it's just different layers that we're peeling. But just notice that really what I'm saying is actually to empower you to be like, look, the answers are inside. Stop looking at someone else. But the way you're hearing it is that you are not doing enough. And that just reveals this like deep self-critic that you've adopted as a defense mechanism because with needs being unmet by your parents, you have felt worthless. And so 
things land in a place where you go to that place of I'm wrong, I'm bad, I'm not enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So the the biggest tool from my point of view you haven't used is real deep, deep self-love and real deep going in and really being curious about what your needs are and what that little girl needs from you and meeting those needs, not trying to fix a problem because you're not broken. Mm-hmm. Is this helpful at all? I mean, I guess I feel like, well, I don't, if I'm supposed to meet the needs of this little girl, like I don't, I guess like what I've been doing hasn't been working. So yeah, I guess I don't really even feel equipped to do that. Talk to her, write with your dominant hand questions, answer with your non-dominant hand, look at pictures of her. It's probably because you haven't really formed that deep, intimate connection with her. She's still waiting for you to connect to her. This Mm -hmm. is a journey that happens through your heart, not your head. Just keep trying. Don't give up on her. Don't give up on her like your parents gave up on you. Okay. You can do this. I know you can. It's just, I feel you're at the point in your journey where looking within is the most important thing you can do. All right. I want to acknowledge Anna for her honesty, for her vulnerability. And Anna, if you're listening now, I know that that call was probably frustrating because I didn't give you some awesome, groundbreaking, eye-opening answer. And I think that was part of the learning. That was part of the learning to really experience that pattern and that block coming up. And I hope that in re-listening to the call, Anna, and to anyone else who's very judgmental and critical of themselves, that you just experience so much compassion, that you really, really hear this woman who just wants love, just wants her needs to be met, and is trying so, so hard to do it. And instead of judging yourself or criticizing yourself, can you come into that place of compassion and acceptance? So let's break down this call a little bit. Anna said that she feels she's not making progress. She's being judged by others because she's not making progress. But the truth is no one's judging her as much as she's judging herself. And that really is the core of the issue because her parents did not meet her needs and because she felt neglected, abandoned, rejected, and not enough. There's such a low level of self-worth. And I think that she adopted self-criticism as a defense mechanism you know, if I'm hard on myself, if I continue to work on myself, if I'm frustrated with myself, well, one, that confirms my belief that I'm not enough. So our our behaviors and our coping strategies and our defense mechanisms are all to protect us from more hurt and to basically confirm our own biases. So people that have very low self-worth and think their value comes from doing will be very critical of themselves and will constantly try to do and create a result. And when I asked her if she felt depressed, she says that, you know, the way she doesn't feel depressed is if she's working towards something. Now working towards something to make a difference. That's how she has hope. That's how she gets out of the depression. But she's done that. You know, she takes steps, but then she comes back to this place of feeling like she's not doing enough. 
So the the biggest thing I wanted to highlight from this call is that her, like what happened between her and I, and I think what happens a lot when she goes out and seeks advice is that her unresolved wound of believing that her needs don't matter and her needs are too much for people comes up, right? So she comes in with an unconscious feeling of not being enough and almost a bias that no one's going to meet her needs, that it's not going to work because that's what she experienced from her parents. She kept going and going and going, trying to get her needs met and they would fail. She wouldn't get her needs met. And so that relationship and that dynamic that she had with her parents is being projected onto whoever she seeks out. And that's, from my point of view, a good thing because what I feel like it's encouraging her to do and like where her soul is right now, her higher self, is just wanting her to go within, wanting her to really, really figure out how to meet her own needs. Because as I said, as we learn how to meet our own needs and tend to that little one inside of us and really make make that place inside that feels not enough or not worthy of having our needs know that our needs are valuable and worthy, as we do that more and more, then we unconsciously train other people how to meet our needs better. And we consciously can ask people how to meet our needs better. Even in her question, it's like she was asking me, you know, how do I feel like I'm making progress or what do I do? But because she was and is disconnected from her own needs, she couldn't really get to the core question of, I feel so not enough. I feel rejected and abandoned over and over and over again. How do I go and meet my own needs? And that's, that's really the question. And it's doing the inner child work, which is why I recommended the inner child workshop in the intro. It's really doing that work. It's going within and big time. It's really, really not coming at herself or yourself with judgment and frustration. And an example of that is when I, when I talk to her about the healing requiring a lot of self-responsibility, which is tough if our core wound is neglect because we want somebody else to love us. We want somebody else to take care of our needs. Because she had that neglectful parenting, she probably has a bit of an avoidant attachment style. And so when that comes up, there's, there's a block to being helped, a block to letting people in. And that's showing up in not having the relationship she wants and people probably feeling the walls around her heart. It's hard for people to get in because she's hurt. She's protecting herself. She's not doing this on purpose. Anna, you're not doing this because you're a bad person or you're screwing up your personal development. You're just scared to get hurt. And when I brought that up to her, her response was from a very judgmental place of herself of, well, this is what I've been working on. And now you're telling me that I'm you know, not making any internal progress, which wasn't at all what I said, but because she's got such that filter of self-judgment, again, coming from lack of being loved and needs met, that's the lens it went into. And so the default, whenever there's an aha moment is I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. And so part of the healing is when the aha moment comes, when someone is talking to her about her past or childhood, or when she has memories, the default needs to be compassion acceptance, love. But in that moment, I just became another person that didn't solve her problem. And 
then she becomes frustrated with me, but even more so because I'm triggering her parental wound, but even more so judgment of herself because any external feedback lands as criticism. You know, and the part about her niece was interesting and I didn't unpack that too much because I wanted to come back to the direction of helping her really connect with that little girl. That was an interesting part of her development that she got this opportunity to be with a little girl and to see how tender, how tender we are as little ones. And I hope that she can use that memory to have compassion with herself, to use that memory to have compassion for a little girl who's in a home where she doesn't feel like her needs are being met. And maybe that will be a way in, that will be a reference point into that self-compassion that I believe is the doorway to her deeper healing. So some takeaways for you. Really look at your come from a personal development. I can't say this enough. Please don't come at it from I'm broken. I need to fix myself. Amp up your self-compassion. Talk to that little one inside. I gave Anna the tip of the non-dominant handwriting. Ask yourself a question from your big grown-up present-day self. In your dominant hand, write back in your non-dominant hand. Look at pictures. We teach all of this and so much more in the Inner Child Workshop, so highly recommend you joining us for that. Again, it's christinehaster.com slash innerchild. Think of how you'd be with a child or an animal. How would you meet their needs? How would you anticipate their needs? Use that to access how you meet your own needs. And finally, acknowledge your progress, everybody. Especially in times like this, we can feel like we're slipping back. We're not. We're just being triggered so that a deeper level of healing can come forward. Let me say that again. Usually when you feel like you're backtracking, what's really happening is there's a trigger to expose a deeper layer, expose another level so that you can go to a deeper level in your own healing and your own love. You're all doing amazing. You're not failing at personal development. You're not backtracking, especially you, Anna. Keep that in mind. More love, encouragement, and acknowledgement, please, everyone. All right, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. Sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Mm-hmm.